USDA is a loan that most people don't know about. It allows you to buy a home with 0% down in most areas. A lot of people don't know about them. They think that they're for farms or they're inaccessible, but in reality, it's available for most people in most areas. So some quick highlights with this program, then I'm going to show you everything you need to know about this program. You're going to be more educated than most loan officers uh, are about this program. So first, the biggest draw to USDA is it's 0% down. It's not a down payment assistance program. It's not a grant that you have to pay back. It's truly, you don't have any down payment on this loan. Okay. It also comes with a low rate and low mortgage insurance compared to conventional loans, which I'm going to show you here uh, in an upcoming slide as well. Now, there are two different types of USDA loans. There's one called a USDA Direct and one called USDA Guarantee. So USDA Direct is only offered directly through USDA, through USDA's website, and it's for low-income individuals or households, um, and so that is going to be directly through USDA. Now, what most lenders have is what's called a USDA Guaranteed Loan, and that's a loan that our company does as well. You can apply for a home loan at winthehouseyoulove.com if you're interested in seeing how we can help you with that. But what we're going to be talking about in this video is the USDA Guaranteed Loan Program. Now, USDA loans are for what are called rural areas, and it doesn't mean there has to be a tractor every you know, a half mile. What a rural area means is it's a population size, and I'm going to show you a tool you can use to see what areas qualify for USDA. Most people can get a USDA loan if they extend their commute just a little bit. So USDA is not going to work if you're looking at buying in a really big downtown area. What you're going to have to do is extend your commute to a less populated area uh, to be able to purchase with USDA. Also, you don't have to be a first-time home buyer, which is a nice plus. Maybe you already bought a home and you're looking, you know, you want to buy another house, but you don't want to take all your equity and put it as a down payment. You can use a USDA loan. Okay. Now, this is a government-backed loan. Um, and it's offered by many lenders. So all that it means by government-backed is that the government is the one who makes the rules about this. In this case, USDA is the one who makes the rule about the USDA loan. And because it's government-backed, uh, it usually offers pretty great interest rates um, because it is insured by the government. But it can come with some more strict requirements, especially for the appraisal that we'll talk about. Um, USDA is just the United States Department of Agriculture, which can be a little bit confusing. You know, why are they giving out loans? Um, and it really is to support population growth in these more rural areas. Okay. Um, and the approval for these loans are based on what's called a GUS. It's the guaranteed underwriting system. Now, when you get a mortgage, um, almost every loan is going to be put through an automated underwriting system, um, usually just abbreviated AU, AUS. Um, with USDA, it's through GUS, GUS, the guaranteed underwriting system. All it is is it's software. It looks at your loan application and basically says, is your loan approved or not? Um, kind of gives you a thumbs up. There we go. Thumbs up, thumbs down is what happens with these underwriting systems. And then what an underwriter does with your loan officer is they're using documentation like your pay stubs and bank statements to really back up um, the information that you put into the underwriting system or that the loan officer put into the underwriting system. Okay. Now, before we go into all of these details, it can be really overwhelming. And you want to start working with a team as you're looking at buying a house, even if you're in the very beginning stages. And there's two critical people that you need to work with when you're looking to buy a house. Number one is a helpful loan officer. And a loan officer is going to help you see what you can afford, uh, look at all your numbers, like your down payment, your closing costs, your monthly payment, and then also help you get pre-approved or pre-qualified 
for a loan so you can start shopping for houses. Now, our team works in all 50 states. We do USDA loans, conventional, FHA, VA, the whole deal. Uh, so what you can do is go to winthehouseyoulove.com slash lender, and you can go ahead and start an application to talk with our team. Um, that way we can help you with a USDA loan or any loan that you want to look at. Next is you want to work with a helpful real estate agent. Once you're pre-qualified for a loan, you're able to go ahead and start shopping for properties um, and hopefully find one that you love. So what your real estate agent is going to do is they're going to help you find a home that you love and negotiate the best offer and guide you through that process so it's not super overwhelming. So to find an agent, um, I have an agent matching service, uh, again, works in all of the US. Uh, we'd love to help you connect with a helpful agent, winthehouseyoulove.com slash agent. Okay, so let's go into the down payment on USDA. Again, like I mentioned, it's 0% down. Okay, there is no down payment on this loan. On conventional loans, you're going to have to do 3% down. On FHA loans, you'll do 3.5% down. On VA and USDA, it's 0% down. Um, now, what's a little bit weird about USDA is you can't um, be you can't qualify for a conventional loan and also be able to get a USDA loan. They really want it for people who truly don't have you know a full amount for a conventional loan. So what are the rules for that? Um, you must not have liquid funds to put 20% down plus closing costs on a 30-year conventional loan. So all this is saying is if you have a ton of money sitting in a savings account, you know, in other words, 20% down to put on that same house, um, then you won't be able to qualify for USDA. Okay. Most people are not in this situation, but it's something to be mindful of. If you have a ton of cash, you may not qualify for this program. All right. So for closing costs, some people kind of get a little confused when they say see 0% down uh, because you still do have costs to purchase a home. And these are called closing costs. It's not just what your lender is charging. It's what the lender may charge. Plus, you're going to have things like uh, property taxes, maybe transfer taxes, homeowners insurance. You have an appraisal. You have a title search. You have recording fees. These are all closing costs that are required on every loan with every lender. Okay, so your lender can help you put together uh, an estimate of those fees. Okay, so please keep in mind that closing costs still exist. There is no down payment, but there's still closing costs on every loan. Even if you buy a home with cash, you're going to have closing costs. Okay. Now, USDA has uh, what they call a guarantee fee. This is how they're funding the program. The reason why they're comfortable letting you do 0% down is that USDA is basically has a stockpile of mortgage insurance um, that they've collected. So if somebody defaults on a loan, they can pay back the lender for that default. And that's paid through uh, two ways, two types of mortgage insurance. There's an upfront mortgage insurance and a monthly mortgage insurance, which I'll cover in detail in an upcoming slide. Um, but it's 1% that they call the guarantee fee. It's added to your loan amount and it's financed into the loan. So if you're buying a home that's $300,000 as a purchase price, 1% of that is $3,000. So your total loan is $303,000, okay? So you don't have to pay the guarantee up front, but it is financed into the loan. Um, you cannot waive escrows. So when you're buying a home, uh, your property taxes and homeowner's insurance is going to be paid by the lender on your behalf in an escrow account for you. Most people actually really like that, but you can't waive it if you want, if you don't want it. Um, seller credits can help lower your closing costs. And again, I'll cover the seller credits in detail. Um, but this is a way where I, I've come to closing with buyers where they did 0% down and all of their closing costs were covered by the seller. Um, and so they truly brought no money to the closing table. 
Um, and in some instances, I've had buyers actually receive money at the closing table um, for things like tax paration credits, like right here. Tax paration credit is just when uh, part of the seller's tax bill um, that's coming due, uh, you get a credit back for that because taxes are usually paid in installments of six months. So if let's say the seller only you know had been in the home one month of that tax bill, but you're going to get an upcoming tax bill, uh, you know for that full six months, they're going to give you one month of credit while they were in the property. Okay. Um, one other really cool feature that no other loan has is you can wrap closing costs into the loan under one condition. This is if the appraised value of the home comes in higher than the purchase price, you can include closing costs. For instance, if you're buying a $300,000 home, let's say it appraises for $305,000, you can uh, have up to $5,000 that difference there uh, to cover your closing costs. Okay, so that's only if the appraised value is higher than the purchase price. Just one other quick reminder, um, if you want to get more of these details, if you want to see it you know, on a uh, pre-qualification worksheet, see your uh, quote, rate, monthly payment, and things like that, we'd love to help you. You can go to winthehouseyoulove.com slash apply. Um, our team is licensed in all 50 states. Okay, so for seller credits, you can get up to 6% of the purchase price um, towards your closing cost from the seller. Okay, so for a $300,000 home, you can get up to $18,000 back towards your closing costs. Um, okay, most people don't need that much, and it is important that seller credits can make your offer less attractive because this money is coming from the seller. You're basically saying, hey, seller, could you take some of the profits that you're giving and give it, some of those to me to pay down my closing costs? That can be really difficult to get in a really competitive market, um, but it is not uncommon uh, for a lot of people to get seller credits. Most of the time, it's way less than 6%. So for an example, uh, if we had a home that we're buying, and let's say this home is $350,000, our down payment is $0. Let's say our closing costs were $6,500. If we ask the seller for 1% seller credit, so 1% of the total purchase price, uh, that would be $3,500. So we take our $6,500 minus $3,500, and now our total due at closing would be $3,000. So we could purchase a $350,000 home with a USDA loan with $3,000 out of our pocket. This is a very common scenario with USDA. You could also ask, hey, hey seller, could you cover you know, up you know, 2%? Could you cover 2.75%? It's whatever you want uh, in here that can help it make it easier for you to purchase your home. Sometimes what you can do as well is you can actually raise the purchase price by the amount of seller credits. The home still has to appraise at that higher value, but it is uh, something that you can do. Um, okay, so when you are purchasing a home, you do have to prove where you got the money from. So for instance, if we're talking about it's going to cost you $3,000 to buy this home, the lender has to prove where you got that money from. It can't just, you can't just pull it out of the air and say, I have the money, don't worry about it. Um, it doesn't work like that. So the way that we can verify these funds, we can verify them through two months of bank statements, 401k loans, or things like that. Um, gifts are allowed from anybody that doesn't have interest in the property, okay? So you may you know, be fortunate enough that a parent gives you a gift. You may have a sibling give you a gift for that money. Um, that's perfectly fine. It just, there can be no expectation of repayment, okay? Um, there's no unsecured loans that are allowed. You can't get a personal loan. You can't pull out a credit card to pay for that money. Also, USDA is not going to allow cash on hand. And cash on hand literally means like 
paper cash, okay? Um, it can't be mattress money. It can't just be cash that you had in a safe. Um, it has to be seasoned in a bank account for two months so the lender can see what that source is. Um, okay, so if you have cash, uh, you'll want to put it into a bank account and let it season in there um, before you purchase a home with a USDA loan. Um, also, what lenders are going to look for are what are called large deposits. And these are any non-earnings related deposits um, that they have the right to be able to question. So if they see a deposit in there and it doesn't come from payroll or for what, from whatever your work was, um, then they might ask, hey, where did this money come from? And maybe maybe you sold your car and you made a profit on it. That's perfectly fine as long as they can back it up with receipts. Um, what lenders don't allow is just money that comes from an undisclosed source because they, they need to make sure it wasn't an unsecured loan um, or uh, because of the Patriot Act, they also have to look for things like uh, it, money laundering and different things like that. Okay, um, so for your credit score, uh, the minimum is a 500 credit score, okay? Now, a lot of lenders have what are called overlays, meaning that even though the minimum for USDA is 500, they might artificially have their own minimum. And that's okay, different lenders can have their own rules that they want. Um, our team does do down to a 500, and there are other lenders who do down to 500. However, there are a lot of lenders who don't. Okay, so just because the lender you're talking to says we don't do 500 credit score loans on USDA, that's fine. It doesn't mean that that's the rule. The rule is 500, okay? Um, what's ideal, though, is a 640 loan, okay? If you have a 640 uh, FICO score and above, we can run it through GUS, the underwriting system for USDA. That's going to give you better rates and make it easier for you to qualify for a USDA loan. If you have less than a 640, we have to do what's called a manual underwrite, which is a longer process. It's going to require more documentation. Um, and it is harder to qualify if you have less than a 640, okay? So it's important when we talk about minimums here, it doesn't guarantee that you have an approval. You can't just say, well, I have a 501, so I should be able to get a USDA loan. It's not that simple. These are just the minimums to qualify. You still have to be able to get approved through underwriting, which requires a lot more uh, documentation that we're not going to cover in this video, but we can help you through uh, the qualification process. Now, Every person has three credit scores, um, one from Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, okay? And so what lenders will do is they're going to look at your median credit score. So for instance, uh, if we're looking at somebody who has an Equifax score of 643, an Experian score of 621, and a TransUnion score of 636, the median score here would be TransUnion, and we would use the 636 score to determine your rate and your eligibility. So this person would have to do manual underwriting in this situation, okay? So if you have less than a 640 credit score, it limits how much uh, the maximum loan that you can get and often requires reserves, meaning you need money left over in your bank account after you purchase a home, sometimes one to three months of the future mortgage payment, okay? Now, be careful of lenders who direct you to other programs. Um, a lot of lenders just are not comfortable with USDA loans. Uh, they're unfamiliar with them. They don't know how they work. They don't know the requirements. Um, which is really unfortunate because USDA is a fantastic program. Um, it just a lot of people don't know about them. So they'll direct you to something like an FHA loan, which has higher mortgage insurance um, than USDA. If you don't have a credit score, um, that also can work. We can use what are called alternative trade lines, things like your rental history, uh, bill history for things like utilities to help you qualify for a loan. Now, here are some of the rules for credit events. 
So if you had a deed in lieu, a foreclosure, or a short sale, then you're going to need to wait three years before you can get a USDA loan. If you had a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, you need to wait three years. If you had a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, you need to wait uh, 12 months into an on-time payment program, and you need court permission. Um, If you have IRS liens, you need three on-time payments on an IRS-approved payment plan. Um, Now, for interest rates, if you want to check what the current national average interest rates are, you can go to whenthehouseyoulove.com slash rates, and I have those all listed uh, on my website that update live. Um, Usually, these are lower than conventional interest rates, um, and they're comparable to FHA uh, interest rates. You can also increase the rate to get a credit. We talked about seller credits uh, and paying down those closing costs. What you can also do is maybe uh, a lender offers you a 6.5% interest rate uh, You know, at the time of this recording. What you can actually do is say, actually, I want a 6.875% interest rate, and then I want to credit towards my closing costs. And sometimes that can help you lower your closing costs if you just need a little bit of extra wiggle room um, to help you knock down how much those are. Now, mortgage insurance is really the big sticking point of any government loan. So when we're talking about government loans, it's USDA, it's a VA, it's FHA. Um, and mortgage insurance is what pays to keep these programs afloat. Um, and there's often this misunderstanding or misconception that taxpayers are paying for all these people who get 0% down loans. It's not true at all. The people who are paying for the 0% down loan are the people who are getting the 0% down loan. They're self-sufficient. All these programs are self-sufficient. Um, so they're paid through mortgage insurance uh, to cover the risk of these programs. So for USDA, there's a 1% upfront guarantee fee, which we talked about is uh, finance into the loan. And there's also a 0.35% annual fee based on the total loan amount. Now, this is actually pretty low because FHA uh, actually has a 1.75% upfront fee um, and an um, annual fee of 0.55. Okay, so it's lower than FHA. Um, Conventional loans don't have upfront uh, mortgage insurance fees. But if you're putting less than 20% down, often the mortgage insurance on a conventional loan is around 0.4 to 0.6% annually. So this actually can be a really good alternative, particularly to FHA um, in this instance. Um, What's interesting about the annual fee too is that it's collected monthly and is going to lower each year, but it's never going to fall off. Okay, so with conventional loans, the mortgage insurance falls off uh, when you hit uh, 22% equity. You can request it off at 20% equity, but on a USDA loan, it's going to be on there for the entire duration of the loan, but it will decrease every year as your loan balance decreases. Okay. Um, so for example, let's talk about a $300,000 home. The upfront fee would be $3,000. Okay. So our new loan balance would be $303,000. So you have a $303,000 loan on a $300,000 home, okay? Um, For the monthly mortgage insurance, that annual fee here um, would break down into around $88 per month, okay? So we take the total loan amount times 0.0035, divide that by 12 to get us that monthly number here. Now, when we're looking at affordability, um, what we're talking about here is how much loan the the lender is going to give you, okay? So uh, I know it can sometimes feel like Wizard of Oz when like the lender is just hiding behind a curtain and they just randomly pull out a number and give it to you and say, this is what you qualify for. Um, but it's really just a math formula where lenders determine the maximum loan you can get. And this formula is called a debt to income ratio. 
and it's based on your gross income. That's your pre-tax income. And all it is, is it's your debts, your minimum monthly debt payments divided by your gross income. Okay. So uh, minimum monthly debt payments divided by your gross monthly income to give you that number. Okay. And there's two types that I'll talk about here in a second. Um, if you are in a community property state, one thing to be aware of is if you have a spouse who is not going to be purchasing the home with you, we still have to include their debts uh, in the debt to income ratio, which can decrease your affordability. Okay. Um, usually if you have a spouse uh, and you're buying a home, it's usually best to include them on the loan so we can use their income to offset their debt payments. But if the spouse isn't purchasing, maybe because of their credit score, um, then we do still have to include the monthly debt payments they have. So community property states are things like, are, or places, Arizona, California, Idaho, Louisiana, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, Washington, and Wisconsin, okay? Um, one other little weird caveat about USDA loans is there you can't have a non-occupant co-borrower or what some people call a co-signer. Um, so with other loans, like a conventional loan, you could add on maybe a parent to help you qualify for the loan uh, easier. You cannot do that on USDA. Everybody who's on the loan has to live in the home. Now, when we talk about affordability, it's important to remember, please keep this in mind, your loan officer is not a financial advisor. Your loan officer's job is not to help you with your budget, is not to determine the best quality of life with your finances. Their job is to help you understand what loan could you get approved for, okay? You are the one who determines what's comfortable for you. Never take out a monthly payment. Never get a loan that is uncomfortable for you. If you can't afford it when you're just looking at the number and you're saying this is too high, don't go through with it. Don't purchase a home that you can't afford. There's no value in being house poor, okay? Now, Gus, the underwriting system for USDA requires a 640, and this ties into our affordability. How much loan can you get based on these debt-to-income ratios, okay? So Gus is going to do two things. It's going to look at your debt-to-income ratio. It's also going to look at all of these other different data points to see if you can get that thumbs up on the loan or thumbs down, and we have to either look at maybe a different type of loan or we need to do you know, manual underwriting. So there's two different debt-to-income ratios. There's a front end and a back end. The front end, it means your future mortgage payment divided by your monthly gross income. So for USDA, it's a maximum of just under 34%. So what you could do is take your monthly gross income uh, times 0.3399 to find what that would be. I'll go through an example here in a second. The back end is your future mortgage payment plus your current monthly debt payments uh, divided by your monthly gross income. So for an example of a $90,000 household income, I feel like every once in a while I make videos and people are like, who makes $90,000? I'm saying household. It could be one person making 90,000. It could be two people, one person making 60, one person making 30. It could be two people making 45. There's so many examples. This is not an unrealistic number here, okay? So let's say in this instance, you have a household with two people, they both make $45,000 per year. So for our front end, what we would do is we take $90,000 divided by 12, find our monthly number, times 0.3399, and that gives you a maximum mortgage payment of 25, you know, just above $2,500 per month. For the back end, we do the same thing, but we multiply it times 0.4599, giving us $3,449. So from here, what we found 
is the maximum mortgage payment they could get would be $2,500. And then the maximum monthly debts they could have would be up to 900. We just take this number minus the 2,500 number shows us how much monthly minimum debt payments they could have. So in there, maybe you have a $400 per month car payment and a $200 per month, you know, $200 per month credit card that fits under that number. And so you'd uh, be able to qualify uh, likely with Gus, depending on your credit store. Now, it's important to remember here, this does not guarantee approval. These are just the, the general guidelines here. Um, these are the maximum qualification ranges. Uh, just because you're under this doesn't mean Gus is guaranteed to give you an approval. It depends on tons of different factors that USTA does not publish. Okay. Now, if you don't want to do all of that math by hand because it can get confusing and overwhelming, I include all of this math, all the debt to income ratios in a calculator I call the max purchase price calculator. Um, and so what you can see is you put in your information and it shows you an estimated maximum purchase price, uh, an idea of what your payment could be, a breakdown of that, estimates of down payment and closing costs, and tons of other things for an affordability dashboard. So you don't have to do all this math and you can actually explore your affordability in a more interesting way, in a more fun way that's not just us sitting down and doing math. Um, if you want that, you can get it at whenthehouseyoulove.com slash max price. Now, if you aren't able to get a Gus loan, meaning you had less than a 640, or if you had higher than a 640 and Gus said thumbs down, and again, your lender is going to tell you this, your lender is going to help you understand this. Um, manual underwriting is going to limit those ratios. So if you have less than a 680 uh, FICO score, the ratio is maxed to 29% front end, 41% back end. Um, if you have a 680 plus, then the ratio is maxed to 32-44 with one of the following. Three months of reserves, you're with your current employer for two years or more, or the mortgage payment is the same or less than your current housing expense. You know, for instance, maybe the new mortgage payment is $1,000 and your current rent is $1,000, then that works there. Okay, so for the property requirements, this is where USDA becomes a little bit more interesting. Um, than a lot of other loans because it is limited on where we can purchase that home, okay? Um, so there is a USDA map. I'm gonna link this here in the uh, description. And what you can do is begin to zoom in um, on where you're looking at buying and seeing what qualifies for USDA eligible area. This address bar up here is garbage. <laughs> Doesn't, it's so bad. You have to type in like an exact USPS address. You can't just type in a city, which is really annoying. Um, but for instance, let's say we're looking, let's just look in the general area of Tennessee. Um, what we can do is see everything in orange is an ineligible area. So everything outside of orange qualifies. So look at all of these cities out here that qualify for USDA. Of course, Nashville is not going to qualify. Um, way too populated of an area to qualify for USDA alone. Um, let's look at another state. Let's look at, uh, doo -doo -doo. let's zoom over to... Oh, let's say Arizona and see what's interesting here. Um, obviously, Phoenix is not going to qualify. All of these cities around, uh, some of these are reservations, and that's probably not going to be a great example here. Um, doo -doo -doo, let's zoom out into... Oh, even over here. Like, of course, orange does not qualify. Everything around uh, absolutely qualifies for USDA. So most of the U.S. Uh, qualifies for USDA compared to what doesn't qualify for USDA. Okay. 
Now, it does have to be a primary residence, uh, meaning you are going to live in the home. Okay, you can't, this is not an investment property. Um, what you can do is you can sell it anytime that you want. Um, if you want to rent it out in the future, you need to live in the home for a minimum of one year. It says one car, one year uh, to then rent it out without refinancing. Okay, um, you there's zero income producing land or buildings allowed as a primary purpose. Uh, if you have a home Etsy store and you make soap, perfectly fine. Um, if you want to make a small little garden per, and you'll sell it at a farmer's market, perfectly fine. What you cannot do is the primary purpose of the home as an income producing land or building. Okay. You can't go have a big farm on it, um, but you can have a small little garden. Okay. You can't run a commercial soap factory uh, with an outbuilding, but you can, you know, make custom little soaps at home. I don't know how soap making works. Uh, so that's perfectly fine. Okay. There's no acreage maximum. However, the land must have a home on it. And it's important to remember USDA is not a land loan and it's not a farm loan. Okay. Um, now, just a quick break in here. If you are looking for a real estate agent, you want to take the next step to start looking at homes and, and seeing what's in your budget range and what works and what do you need to start considering. Um, I work with Home and Money, which is one of the best referral networks in the US that can connect you with a helpful real estate agent local to you. Um, so if you're interested in working with them, you can go to winthehouseyoulove.com slash agent and they'll match you with an agent um, who can help you through the next steps. Now, when you do get a home, you're going to need an appraisal and an appraisal is what helps the lender uh, make sure that the what you paid for the home uh, actually makes sense. They don't want to give you way more money for the home if it's not worth it. Okay, so let's cover some highlights here with the appraisal. Um, again, we talked about the closing cost wrap. If the appraisal value comes in higher than the purchase price, you can use that extra value um, to count towards your closing costs to pay those down for you. Um, USDA is concerned primarily with health and safety, structural soundness, and protecting the property value. So think of a move and ready home. Um, USDA is not going to be great for a home that needs some work. Uh, that needs some TLC usually is not going to be super great for USDA. Um, it's going to be stricter than a conventional loan because it's government insured. And some really common issues that people are going to run into uh, with a USDA loan um, are going to be things like broken glass, chipping paint, plumbing issues, exposed wiring, a broken HVAC system, uh, rotting wood, and a wet basement. These are all relatively easy fixes compared to some like really big foundational issues or structural issues um, that can be fixed you know, relatively easy, but it can add some difficulty if you're looking at buying a home and maybe it just has some like broken glass. Um, it, those are going to be things that need to be fixed before you can close on the home with the USDA. Uh, and those are things that hopefully your seller is going to fix um, if you're looking at buying a home with USDA. Now, some example properties, I just want to help, you know, kind of ground this loan. Uh, so you can see, you can use this loan to purchase real homes that aren't just out in the middle of nowhere and falling down. Some people think have these weird things about USDA loans. I think they're just like, you can probably buy some barn in the middle of nowhere that's all falling apart. Not true. <laughs> okay. Let's look at this $370,000 home in Roseburg, Oregon. Okay. Uh, the monthly payment on this would be just above $2,900 per month and estimating the cash to close around $7,400 to purchase this home out of pocket. Now, it's important, all these numbers just based on averages, based on, you know, at the time of recording of this video, 
Um, it's not an offer to lend. You'll want an official quote from a, a loan officer uh, to be able to get a better idea of what you can afford. Okay. So for the payment for this, the principal and interest payment would be around $2,400. That mortgage insurance would be around $107 per month. Tax on this home was $200 per month. Homeowner's insurance would be around $137, and there was no homeowner's association fee. All of this together would be $2,900 for this $370,000 home. Of course, interest rates right now are hovering around high 6%, um, so it's something to keep in mind if you're watching this video in the future. For the cash to close, 0% uh, down, like we've talked about several times in this video. Closing costs, I'm going to estimate around $7,400. Uh, and on this, I'm assuming that maybe this was a competitive home, you know, competitive area. A lot of people were wanting to buy this home. There were multiple offers, so we didn't ask for seller credits to make our offer more attractive. So we paid the closing costs out of pocket for $7,400. Another home. Uh, this one is $326,500 in Franklin, Kentucky. Um, for a monthly payment, we will be $2,567 per month, and it would cost us $3,265 out of pocket using these averages. So principal and interest payment would be around $2,157 per month. The mortgage insurance for USDA would be $94 per month. Property taxes, $196 per month. Homeowner's insurance, around $120 per month. And again, no homeowners association fee on this. Um, that would bring us to $2,567 per month to buy this uh, $26,000 home. Uh, okay, so breaking down our cash to close, uh, we have a 0% down payment, which is $0. Closing costs, I'm estimating around $6,530. And I'm estimating here that we're going to ask for a 1% seller credit. Um, and so that would be $3,265. So if we take our closing costs minus our seller credit, that gives us the total due out of pocket for $3,265, okay? Now, just to talk a little bit more about the commute here, um, you can extend your commute if USDA isn't available near your job. And I wanted to go through two examples just to illustrate what this looks like. Um, so first, the, the average one-way commute for Americans is 27.6 minutes. That's what the average in the US is for someone driving to work is just shy of 30 minutes. So it's really not unrealistic. I know I've talked about in previous videos about you can get a USD alone if you extend your commute. And of course, people always go to worst case scenario and they're like, I don't wanna drive two hours to go to work and live in the middle of nowhere. That's just not true. Um, I'm gonna show you here with some examples in very popular cities. Okay, so let's say that you have a job and your job's in Charlotte, okay? And you could buy a home in Charlotte, perfectly fine. Prices are probably gonna be pretty expensive. But you're like, hey, I, I can't afford the, whole, the prices in Charlotte. I also don't have a ton of money for a down payment. I'd like to keep my costs low. Maybe I'm relocating. So instead, what you do is you look for a USDA eligible area and you look at Belmont, North Carolina. So to go from Belmont to Charlotte is going to be 25 minutes. That's under the average commute time uh, in the US. Okay. Probably great enough time to listen to some good podcasts or audiobooks. Um, and the income limit, which I'll talk about for USDA loans in that area is $108,300 per year. And you're like, hey, I'm under that limit. This is perfect for me, okay? Maybe you're buying a home in Austin, Texas. Same thing, I can't afford the prices in Austin. Maybe I don't wanna live downtown. I also wanna save as much money, so I wanna go with USDA. So instead you look to live at something like Hornsby Bend, Texas. Okay, it's 27 minutes away, which is the average commute time in the US. 
the income limit there is $126,850. You're under it. You say, great, I'm going to move there instead and start commuting to work a little bit further. Okay. So commute is definitely uh, a skill or something that you want to use with the USDA loan to expand your options because USDA is not going to work in Charlotte. It's not going to work in Austin. It's not going to work in these bigger cities. But if you just broaden your view a little bit more, you're going to open up more access to some of these homes. And of course, you're not stuck there forever. Maybe you build equity and appreciation in that home to the point where in a few years you can sell it and make a profit and enough of a profit that maybe your income increased as well. And you can use it to buy a home in the city that you want to. You can get closer to Austin. You can be in Austin. You can be in Charlotte. It's use a stepping stone approach to buying a home. You don't have to buy your dream home as your first one. Okay. Now, for income and employment, um, there is an income requirement for everyone in the household above 18. Okay. So you saw it here. I talked about this income limit. So what this means, and it's so it's different than other loans, is that uh, USDA is going to look at everybody who's living in the house above 18. So keep in mind, if, if you have kids living in your home who are above 18 and work, they're going to be included in the income requirement. So everybody in the home needs to make under the income limit combined. Okay. It's not for each individual person. It's everybody combined. So if I'm going to go with a wild example, uh, the income limit here was $108,000. Well, if you make $100,000 and your spouse makes $100,000, you combine make 200, you're above the income limit. Okay. Um, if, you know, if you're the only one who works and let's say you make $90,000 a year and you have a child uh, in the home still and they make, let's say, $40,000 per year, that will put you over the income limit. So it's an income limit for the household, everybody above 18. Um, all the link in the description to the income eligibility tool. So you'll want to look at the county that you're buying in, how many individuals are in the household. Um, and then that's going to give you the income limit for that area. Okay. Now USDA wants you to have stable income and employment. Okay. And it doesn't have to be at one job. What that looks like is it's a two year history, um, of work is mainly what they want to see. Are you somebody who can hold a job and hold state, you know, consistent or increasing employment is mainly what USDA is wanting to see here. Okay. There's not a minimum for um, particular position. So you don't have to be at one job for two years. You just need to have a two-year history of having jobs. Um, retirement is acceptable. Okay. So you can say like, Hey, I'm retired. And that's perfectly fine. It doesn't, you don't have to be employed uh, necessarily. You do need a stable income though. Okay. So it could be pension, social security, things like that. Um, speaking of that, non-taxable income can be what's called a grossed up 25%. So let's say you make social security income of $2,000 per month. Um, what we can use is uh, 1.25% of that, so $2,500 in your debt to income ratio to help you qualify for more. And that's just because that income isn't taxed and lenders use gross income in the debt to income ratio. Um, self-employment is allowed, but you do have to have a minimum of being self-employed for two years. Uh, college also counts. If you just graduated and you're getting, uh, you know, you're just starting your job, the lender's just going to ask for college transcripts uh, as like proof of your uh, to your history. Loan limits. There are no loan limits. Uh, common misconception with USDA. Um, zero loan limits at all with USDA. Uh, instead, USDA has the income limit. So kind of by that, there is almost this income limit of sorts that's limited by the income. Um, because again, you know, you can't uh, buy it for an extreme example. 
if you make $50,000, you can't qualify for a $500,000 house. Um, so in that sense, it limits the amount that you can purchase um, based on the debt to income ratios that we talked about earlier, but there are no true loan limits. Now for student loans, uh, when we're looking at affordability and qualifying for a loan, um, you can use income-driven repayment. So if your student loans are on an IDR program and underneath that, there's tons of different types of income-driven uh, repayment programs, um, those are completely allowed and you can use that in your debt-to-income ratio. This is really helpful for qualifying uh, for a loan. Um, so one thing to keep in mind though, is that if your IDR payment is $0 per month or the loan is deferred, then 0.5% of the balance has to be included in the debt to income ratio. It's a very strange rule, but for example, if we're looking at, let's say like a $50,000 uh, student loan balance, um, and let's say that the income driven repayment program gives you $0 per month, we can't use the $0 per month, we have to use $250 per month, that 0.5% of the balance in the debt to income ratio, which can decrease the maximum mortgage that you can get. For some people, that may not matter. For others, that may cut into uh, you know, how much home they can qualify for. Um, on the other side, if your income-driven repayment program is, uh, or payment is like, let's say it's $100 per month, we can use the $100 per month. It just can't be zero. Otherwise, we have to use the 0.5% of the balance. It's annoying and dumb. <laughs> I totally get it. Um, some special requirements here is USDA has what's called a conditional commitment. Um, and I'll have a link for where you can find the turn times for this in the description. So this is how it works. Um, it can be a little tricky. So when you qualify for a loan, you know, you're going to talk with a lender. Hopefully, you know, you want to work with us and our team of mortgage advisors in all 50 states. You can go to winthehouseyoulove.com. Um, so you'll, you'll fill out a mortgage application. Um, and then uh, you'll get a pre-qualification back with your quote. And uh, it'll give you a pre-qualification letter where you can go start shopping for homes. Um, then you go... Uh, find a home you love, you write a contract on it, hopefully the seller accepts, now you're under contract. After that, your loan officer is going to submit everything to an underwriter for a underwriter approval, okay? Um, so once that happens, uh, you might have other documents put in place. You know, the, the underwriter is going to ask for an appraisal, um, a title report, they may have some other documents that they request from you. After everything is finalized there, they're going to have to actually send your loan to USDA. And USDA is going to give back what's called a conditional commitment. Um, and then your underwriter will be able to give you a clear to close. So there's basically this extra step where USDA just wants to do a kind of a double check. They do a little bit of an audit of sorts. Where most loans, they just close with the lender by themselves and they're perfectly fine. And sometimes they're audited after the loan is closed. With USDA, every loan um, actually has this kind of extra audit that USDA does before it closes. At the time of this recording, that's going to take four extra days in the closing process. Um, and this can change. I, I've, uh, there was a time about two years ago where that wait period was around two weeks because of how crazy everything was. Um, there's also times where it's been like one day. So it really just changes depending on what you know, the circumstances are um, in the market. Uh, at that time. And again, I'll have the link for that. But it's something to keep in mind if you are going to use a USDA loan, I would add an extra five to 10 days of padding to your contract. So what I mean by that is if you're buying a home with a conventional loan, maybe you tell the seller, we're going to close in 25 days, 30 days. If you're using USDA, I would lean more on the side of caution of saying, 
with your realtor, hey, maybe we write this contract for closer to 40 days just to make sure that if USDA, you know, USDA needs time to review it. But if they come back and say they need extra stuff, we need extra time uh, to make that happen. And we don't want USDA's conditional commitment review to cut into your contract and make things, uh, you know, put us out of contract. Uh, USDA does have one-time close loans where basically they'll fund a construction loan. They're extremely hard to find. At the moment, I don't have a lender that I know of that will do these well. Um, Same thing with rehab. There are rehab options Um, with USDA. Same thing. Very difficult to find lenders that do this and do them uh, well. Now, when you get a loan in the future, you may refinance when interest rates lower. And USDA offers two interesting refinance programs. Um, There's one called Streamlined and another called Streamlined Assist. Um, Primarily, you're going to use a streamlined loan if, let's say, your credit score increased quite a bit and you want to take advantage of that higher credit score to get you a lower rate. That's when you'll be using Streamlined. Otherwise, you'll likely use Streamlined Assist. Um, You can screenshot this chart. I'm not going to go over all of it here. Basically, with Streamlined Assist is they don't have to do a credit check. versus uh, streamlined, they do have to do a credit check. Okay, so it's just something to keep in mind here. Um, There are no cash out options. If you want to cash out, you'll have to refinance to something like an FHA loan or a conventional loan. Um, And you absolutely at any time can refinance to another loan. If you want to refinance to a conventional loan, um, because maybe you have 20% equity and you want to refinance a conventional to remove your mortgage insurance, you can absolutely do that. Um, these are just options within USDA that you can do. So you have tons of refinance options here. Now, as far as the su- success rate and seller perception, like, is this a good loan that you want to get? Um, USDA is uncommon. A lot of sellers, a lot of people don't know about USDA. So it can be a little strange if a seller gets a USDA loan. And that's why you want to work with a good real estate agent who can help explain to the seller and possibly the seller's agent, what is a USDA loan? It's not that crazy. We just need a little bit extra time for padding. Um, you know, because of that conditional commitment, it's not the end of the world. It's extremely similar to an FHA loan. Um, as far as the appraisal standards, as far as the process, it's really not that uncommon, you know, as a loan, but it is uncommon, unfortunately, to a lot of sellers. Um, so you want your agent to be able to explain the details of that. Okay. Um, they can be perceived as slow again, because of that USDA conditional commitment at the time of this recording, that's a four day wait time. Um, but it's really, if you add on that extra time to your contract, it's a non-issue. Also, the appraisal, it's very similar to an FHA appraisal, um, which for some people can be a pain. Uh, if the seller has a bunch of stuff, you know, chip paint, broken glass, exposed wiring, things like that, uh, then of course, they're not going to enjoy your USDA loan. Um, but if the home is up to code in good working order, uh, then it's not going to be an issue here. Okay. So how do you get one? Our team offers USDA loans in all 50 states. We would love to help you go through the process, answer questions that you have about it, and ultimately help you move into a home with a USDA loan or frankly with any other loan. If you want to get conventional or FHA, VA, USDA, whatever you'd like, the process is really simple. Number one is you're just going to start an application and you can start one at whenthehouseyoulove.com. There's a big button. You can't miss it to start an application there. Um, This is going to take you 15 minutes to go through. We're just going to ask questions about your income and uh, your your assets, what you're looking to do, how much you're looking to purchase. Um, then what we'll do is show you your quotes. You'll get to see your decision-making numbers, things like your monthly payment, your closing costs, uh, down payment if you're doing a non-USDA loan. That way you can start to see what 
purchase price range works for you, um, what monthly payment is comfortable for you. That way you can stick within it uh, and move forward with finances that are comfortable so you're not house poor in the future. Um, and then number three is you can begin shopping for homes that you love. Um, and at that point, uh, we hope that you're able to write a, an offer on a home and a seller accepts it. And then you'll be able to move into the home um, and we'll help you through the process of going through underwriting. Okay. If you want to learn more about another popular type of loan, another popular type of government loan, you want to click on this video over here to see the FHA loan requirements for this year.